Well, you guys ready to get in the word? I have so much in me. I'm so excited about this series on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you today. Uh, we want to go on from last week, and then we want to get in to the fact, uh, before we get in the mechanics and, and just different things like that, I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit enables you to walk in power so that you can walk out God's plan for your life. But power in itself is not all that God wants you to walk in. You're able to walk in power because of the authority that you've been given. So we're going to talk about power and authority. You know, we sang this song about no matter what we face, you're going to be safe. And guys, do you know Satan has been working ever since the Garden of Eden to completely control humanity and make himself their God? That's what he has always wanted. Always, you know, and he took a big hit, but a lot of people don't know it. See, people that don't know the Lord, or even people that, that have, have received salvation and are born again, but are not coming to the knowledge of the truth, to them, Satan is kind of hidden, just the way he was in the Old Testament. But a primary reason that Jesus came, he came to reveal the Father, but man, look at the New Testament, it also really revealed Satan. But it revealed him in his current state. He is completely defeated. So although we have a bunch of stuff going on on the outside, right, you're going to be okay. That's why you got to know that. You know, they talk about massive uh, lack in, in food shortages and prices of everything going up and, you know, and all this other stuff. And to that, the Christian says, my God supplies all my needs, right? You know, we, we, we hear about, because of technology, we hear about every instance of violence in the world, right? Especially in the United States, especially in an election year. You know, I mean, all this stuff, we hear about this stuff. Don't let it, don't let it scare you, right? You're led by the Holy Spirit. He will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death, but you'll fear no evil because he's with you. Don't get in fear about sending your kids to school. You, you speak over them, that the angel of God will protect them. And then you walk in joy and peace and keep your eye. See, if you get in fear, then we miss it as Christians. Do you know we are the ones on the planet with authority? So like think of some of the loss that some of these families have suffered in some of these shootings that have occurred, right? Well, we need to keep our eye on the ball and say, okay, not in this place, right? Not in our church, not in our school. You can't have Omaha. You can't have the surrounding. We need to stand in our authority. And we need to also see what is prayer. Prayer invites God into the situation. Prayer is fellowshipping with him and inviting him into the situation. Well, do you know that if there were Christians that lost children, Satan is going to try to blame this on the parents or really ultimately try to blame it on God, right? And get people in fear. We need to pray for comfort for those Christians that they could see this as it really is, right? Oh, they, they've lost their kids on this earth for a little short season, but they will be with them forever, right? And, and God will comfort them. For those that don't know the Lord, we need to pray that labors come across. It's about time that Jesus be magnified that he is the answer. He, he doesn't have the answer. He is the answer. Amen? So let's talk about some of this stuff today. Uh, we started talking about it before. Go to Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. And I want you to see this because 
This is talking to you directly. You as a believer, God has done something. He sent Jesus to this earth who lived as a man anointed by God. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, right? He went about doing good. He didn't operate as God, otherwise he wouldn't have needed to be anointed because God does not need to be anointed. But we need, man needs to be anointed. So Jesus, he literally shed all of his godly attributes, all of that power, everything. That's kind of amazing, right? When he was on the earth, he put all that aside and he walked as a man anointed by God. Why? He was showing you and I how to walk, how we were to walk as children of God because he was going to the cross to take our place, to have all of our sin condemned in his body, right? To literally redeem us from spiritual death, to redeem us from lack and poverty, to redeem us from sickness and disease. He was made all those things so that now you and I would be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Not clothed in righteousness, made righteous. Now you got to get a revelation of that because when you get a revelation of that, it changes your whole perspective in life. Now all things become possible. Now you're not moved by the outside, you move the outside. Right? So this is big. Jesus, he brought us salvation, which was an impartation of the very zoe, that's the Greek word, life of God. It means the very quality and essence of life that God has. He came to give us that life. He said, oh, in John 10, 10, listen, the thief comes and he's coming to steal and for to kill, and for to destroy. But I'm come, I am come, Jesus said, that you might have zoe life, and that you might have it too much, overflowing. Why, why that? Why overflowing? Because you're to overflow on people. That's why we're here. We are light in this world, right? This world is a very dark place right up until a Christian shows up right? So now salvation was an impartation of the very life of God. We became righteous. And all that that entails, that entails a lot. This series is setting us up to really be able to have a series on righteousness, which will really define your identity. And it'll also enable us to have a nice series on the grace of God, so we know how to operate in that ability of God and that power of God. So the Holy Spirit is setting us up. Remember, this is a year of freedom, right? Does that mean it's going to look like freedom on the outside? Oh, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter about that. We're, 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 we're going to become more and more aware of how free we are. The Bible says in John 8, 36, whoever the Son hath, past tense, made free, is now free, right? You're completely free from the steal, kill, and destroy of the enemy. You're completely free in the kingdom of God from this world system that is designed to create fear and unbelief. You're free from that. Think about that. Not going to be, not going to grow into it. You've been made free. So now it's just, it's just a matter of you becoming more aware of how free you are. And that is the coming to the knowledge of the truth. The word of God brings you to the knowledge of the truth. God, the, or the Holy Spirit, I'm, well, I should say it this way, will bring you to revelation knowledge of the truth of this word, which is never subject to change. God loves you. God is for you. God is in you. He's all around you. He will lead you. He will strengthen you. He will keep you safe. He will provide for you. Listen, all of this thing, 
I look at it from what God has called me to do as a pastor. All of this stuff is designed to stop the church. And that's funny. Because God has already spoken words that says the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. So in this short season that we're still here, and it's a short season, I mean, life is a vapor. Even if he tarries a little bit, it's still really short. But listen, nothing's going to prevail against the church. But we must know who we are, right? You can't yield to something that you don't know, right? It's very, very important. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But you shall receive power. This is the Greek word dunamis. We said this last week. This is not just miraculous power. This is miraculous power that has been loosed and released. See, we always look at it like, okay, okay, so I've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so dunamis power is on the inside of me. I just got to somehow do something to get it loosed. No, no, dunamis is miraculous power that's loosed. Right now, sitting inside of you, whether you can tell or not, there is a miraculous power of God that is yearning to get out of you and affect everything. Right? I mean, if you'll, if you'll be led by the Spirit of God and you walk up and lay hands on the sick, dunamis power is released. Every time you pray and you declare things over your kids, there's dunamis power that's released. Everywhere you go, the enemy does not ever want you to know. See, we're, we're a little timid with these things and we think it's because of our behavior. Or if we sit under, see, this is what happens if you sit under the word too long and you're not a doer of it. It starts to sound common to you and you get self-deceived because you think, well, I know those scriptures. Yeah, pastor, you've said that a thousand times. But they're so common that you never do them. So you never really experience and actually what you experience is you experience life as just a mere mortal like somebody who doesn't know God and all of a sudden you get all these questions. Well, wait a minute, this happened. Why did God allow that? And this happened, and why? Well, why is because there is an enemy. And he operates illegally. He will kill you if you let him, right? But, but here's the good news in Christ. You don't have to let him. If he attacks your body with sickness and disease, he has no legal right. Everything he's putting on you illegally he has no basis to keep it there. And if you just will believe God, then man, that sickness and disease has to go. If you experience poverty and you feel like, man, there's just some things I need to do, but money is holding me back. Listen, God has already given you everything. And if you'll believe him, Man, that dunamis power, it, it's already there for you. Everything is there. But you shall receive power. If God said you shall receive miraculous power that has been loosed, when? After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Ghost, is he a ghost? That's, that's, in Elizabethan English, that's a word for spirit. He's the Holy Spirit, okay? He's a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit. And where is God the Father? Well, okay, he's omnipresent, but he's seated in heaven. Where is God the Son? Well, he's omnipresent, so the Bible says he's working with and confirming his word with signs following. How does he do that? By the Holy Spirit. He's watching over his word to perform it. Well, how does he perform his word? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. 
The Holy Spirit brings that to pass. Well, here's the good news. Where is the mighty Holy Spirit? He is within you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And now we're talking about not only within, but upon. See, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as we said last, night, or last week, it's an impartation of the very power of God so that you can walk out God's plan for your life and do those things that he's called you to do. Do you know in a very short period of time, we're going to hear a shofar, a trumpet. It's going to say to us, come up here, and we're going to see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we're not going to have so many years where we just kind of hang out and go, wow, Lord, thank you, it's just been so... Nope, the minute you see him, he's coming with his reward. So the first thing you're going to have to deal, it's a reward ceremony. Why? Because you are here to bear all of your fruit in your season. Well, who will do that? The Holy Spirit through you, right? So you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. We're witnesses unto him. What does a witness do? A witness literally just testifies, speaks of all that they've seen, all they've experienced, right? That's what witnessing is. Witnessing is not, hey, you better turn or burn and God's going to get you. No, that's not witnessing. Yeah, but, but pastor, nobody talks about hell. Well, why not? A big part of my witness is, okay, I know that hell is real. It's a real place. God made it for the angels and for Satan that rebelled against him. It was not made for man. Why does man, As a matter of fact, God doesn't even send somebody to hell. He honors their request to go there. What do you, their request? Now, you've heard some really stupid people, right? That they're like, oh, I just want to go to hell and party with all my friends. Well, you know, once again, just proving that spiritual death is kind of crazy, right? I remember when I was at a corporate event, they made me go to this they rented out Universal Studios in, in Orlando, and all these managers from all over the world came, and they had this concert. I don't even know if this is the right title. I think the guy's name was Hootie and the Blowfish or something like that. And, and my boss, he's like, man, you got to go to this. So he goes, he goes I don't even want to go to this. I'm like, why would I want to go to a concert and hear a guy named Hootie? <laughs> I mean, all right, already we know he's confused, right? Is it a... Uh, yeah. But so, so we're standing back there, and he's, we're standing in the back. And this concert's going, and all these guys are very talented musically, right? I'm thinking, wow, they would just all be so great in church, right? But, but they, they start singing this song about partying with the devil. And so I'm standing there... And my, my boss, you know, is just a really good Catholic guy. And he's just kind of, he knows what I've said to him. And he kind of keeps looking at me. I'm like, you know, and they're talking about, and then pretty soon people are literally raising their hands. People won't raise their hands in church, but these guys were serious. They're raising their hands. They're like, dude, they're bobbing, they're dancing. They're screaming about how awesome it's going to be to party with the guy who came to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Isn't that crazy? And I, and I said, seriously, I have to sit here and listen to this? And he goes, yeah, no, you, you can leave, right? I was so thankful that he started with that song. Maybe he has some other good songs, I don't know. But, but it says here, you'll be witnesses to me, unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. For us, it would be Omaha, the surrounding areas, Nebraska, the United States, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Everywhere. You'll be witnesses. In order to be witnesses, you have to be empowered. You're empowered to be a witness. Why? Because 
salvation, when you, when you are leading somebody to Christ or talking about the Lord, listen, whether you're like I'm preaching right now, listen, if the Holy Spirit doesn't anoint it with miraculous power, you know miraculous power is being released right now? It's totally being released. I can't hardly talk about it, otherwise I can't preach because I start crying. But it's miraculous. It has the power to change your direction and your life. Talk to some people around here. They're getting so hungry. They're just, they're just, they're, they're becoming more and more aware of how much God loves them and how good he is. And, you know, and, and what it does is it makes you just want to, you start to hear your friends and people that you know that talk about God and they know nothing about him. Like he's always mad at them and all this other, and you're going, wait, no, 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 that's not, that's not him, right? When God's power, we said this last week, when God's power comes upon you, there is an, there is an inward empowerment that happens to where now you know there's an inward empowerment that you know the greater one on the inside of you is greater than anything you'll ever face. And that's, that in, that's the definition of inward strength. What is inward strength? I know, I'm conscious that there is a mighty Holy Spirit on the inside of me and he is greater than anything that I'll ever face. And what that does is it gives you the confidence to step do you know how many people are afraid to step and start a new business? There's, there's people that are afraid to do things. Their, their, their confidence level is so low that they can't see themselves walking in the blessing that God wants them to walk in. But when you get a revelation that, wait a minute, because of him, all things are possible to me because I believe. And you have a confidence now, and it'll enable you to step into this outward empowerment, right? And do things according to his ability. Do things in his ability. Empowered by the grace of God. Led by the Spirit of God. Everything about you is supernatural. Everything God has placed within you. If you've received the baptism, everything that is upon you is absolutely supernatural. This is, we have to know this. Salvation, again, it's an impartation of the very life of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is literally where the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's an impartation of the very power, the dunamis, miraculous power of God that is loosed. I love that. And it's loosed for one reason, for spiritual service. You are not here for you. You are here to win the world. And, and there's no age limit on that one, right? The only thing we know is every year we're a child of God, we should increase, right? So you could retire from a career but you will never retire from the calling on your life, right? And I said this last week, I just quoted this scripture, I'll quote it again, we've been talking about it. 1 John 4, verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. We've overcome the world system. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who's the them it's talking about? He that is in the world. You've overcome them. Why? The greater one lives on the inside of you. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4, he said this in verse 4 and 5. He says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but... My speech and my preaching was in demonstration of the mighty Holy Spirit and of dunamis power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but your faith should stand in the very power of God. Isn't that awesome? 
That's why we rely completely on that power every, for everything in life, everything in life. I'm telling you the power of God, when you start to get conscious of this, it will, it will blast out self, it, it just, it'll, it'll overcome the self-centeredness in your flesh, right? So many Christians right now, they're so laser focused on their life. And you know what? Don't beat yourself up for that. Listen, the world system is designed for you to look at your life and go, man, I need to make more money. What am I going to do here? This is growing. There's sickness everywhere. There's, you know, all, and all that's designed to get your eyes off Jesus because keeping your eyes on Jesus is how you overcome all of that, right? And that's why when you come to church, you're not going to hear something with, that deals with man's wisdom, enticing words, great. No, you're going to hear the word of God. You're going to hear it under the anointing of God, dripping with the love of God. And if you'll receive it, man, I'm telling you, there's, there's demonstrations of power. Things are being released all the time. So let's talk about this authority. Actually, go to one more scripture. Go to Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Actually, just put that on the board and I'll read it. So in Luke 10, 19, Jesus sends out 70 and he commissions them. He gives them authority in his name to go do certain things, right? Go actually start in verse 17. Let's just read the whole thing. Start in verse 17, or yeah, verse 17 would be great. So in the 70, now they come back, and look at how they came back. They came back again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. Isn't that amazing? He gave them the name. Now what's interesting about this, what they had is not as good as what we have. Because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. However, he still was able to do this. Now, verse 18. And he said unto them, and now he's talking about him in eternity, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. So whenever Satan was cast out of heaven, Jesus said that. Why did he say that? He started what he was about to say to let you and I know that guess what? Satan has no power. He was, he was literally, he fell from heaven. Now this is what's really amazing. He is a created being trying to overcome the creator. Wow. That's crazy. It's crazy right up until you realize that I've been given the very life of God, but yet I still do stupid things because I give into my flesh, right? I start trying to trust myself for my financial life. Why would you do that? If you have the God that owns everything, that says you're an, an heir of it all, yeah, but Tony, the guy's got to die. Yo, he did. You know, you never, now some, now some families of wealthy parents, maybe they're looking at their parents going, okay, when are you going to die? So I get all your stuff. But Jesus died already, right? And then he came back to life. Now he oversees it all. And he wants you to have it, right? I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. And then now look at this. Then he says this. Now he's like, guys, so behold. This is Jesus saying, hey, every, let me have all of your attention. You've got to get this. Behold, I give unto you power. This word is the Greek word that means delegated authority. From other New Testament scriptures now, we know he gave them delegated authority in his name to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions are a type of the satanic hierarchy, right? They would include all demons, 
principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, woo, spiritual wickedness in high places. Sometimes we quote that wrong because we give Satan so much, right? We sit there and go, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. No, he's not in heavenly places. This word high places means the air under the mountain. Why? Because he's been cast to the earth. He's here. What's he, what was he doing in the Old Testament? Satan, what have you been up to? God asked him. Oh, walking to and fro on the earth? New Testament, what does it tell us? He's still walking to and fro on the earth. What's he, the New Testament brings light to what he's doing. He's seeking whom he may devour. Right? And I used to preach that, you know, Satan's like a lion, but he has no teeth. But the word devour in the Greek means it literally, it, it's a Greek word that gives us a picture of like a lion that's lapping up the blood after he's devoured. Right? Now, I got to tell you, he has no teeth for a Christian. But he has some false teeth that look really scary on the outside. And he'll gnaw you to death if you let him, but you don't have to let him, right? This is so important. He gave us power in the name of Jesus, delegated authority to tread upon these demonic powers. The word tread means to have absolute mastery over. I know, Pastor, you've quoted this scripture so much. Great. Nobody's jumping up, screaming, running out of the building, coming back. So we haven't walked in much revelation of this, <laughs> right? This is better than the winning touchdown in a Nebraska game when they actually win, okay? I'm like, Lord, come on. You know, the day I went to the All-Star game in Chicago in 1989, I'm like, okay, I'm here. I've come full circle, my... You know, the first 20-some years of my life, I've been a Cub fan, which is brutal, right? Now, they've gotten better now, but I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. So then, now, here I am, right? Then I was a, I was a USC fan for years when they were lousy. And then they got really good, and I was all excited. I'd love to watch them. Then I moved to Nebraska, and it's like, split the church, be kicked out of the state, or become a Nebraska fan. So... I made a decision to become a Nebraska fan. That's brutal. I can hardly watch him because it's like, oh my gosh, this guy did, made this play. It was phenomenal, and now they're on first down on the one-inch line, and you know as a Nebraska fan, oh boy, here we go. You know, we've been, we've been really moving forward when we're passing this way, so what are we going to do on the one-inch line? We're going to start passing this way right? Or we're just going to get eight penalties in a row and we're going to be back on the 20. And then we're a division one school that can't seem to ever find a kicker. I know Jake, you're like, give me the mic. Give me the, keep, keep moving. So, okay. So Jake is saying, I need to keep moving on. Okay. Maybe, maybe it'll be better this year. Okay. So I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping anyway. So anyway, but we have been given authority now that you're all awake because you're laughing. This word tread means to have absolute mastery over. Could you imagine me? Could you imagine me getting in a UFC ring with the champ UFC heavyweight fighter? Uh, you know, pray for pray for pastor, man. You know, dude, you are in trouble. He'd have absolute mastery over me. I would wake up in a hospital. I wouldn't even know what happened. Did he hit me? Did he, did he put me to, what, what happened? It happened so fast. Absolute mastery. This is the picture that you must have of your enemy. You have been given absolute mastery. But why? Because you're all that? No, we've been given the name absolute mastery and it says here you've been given absolute mastery over all 
the power. This is the Greek word. It's not a delegated authority because he has none, right? But over all the ability of the enemy. Who's the enemy? It doesn't say enemies. It says enemy, Satan. So you have absolute mastery over all of Satan's ability. Now think about this. I mean, he's, so, he's been around a long time. He knows everything that worked in your lineage for generations, right? Now, my wife's lineage is pretty simple. If you look at her lineage tree, everything's normal. If you look at mine, because you kind of throw some mafia stuff in there and some Sicilian stuff, who knows? But he still knows. I mean, people actually pay to go to a fortune teller so that familiar spirits, they don't even know what's going on, but a familiar spirit will tell them something about your relative. And people get all emotional about that. But not you as a Christian, because you're like, well, of course they know. They were there. They know everything that's worked on your whole lineage, so they just fish, they just throw thoughts. And that's why you need to submit to the Lord so that you can stand against and resist Satan. The Bible says he'll flee in terror. Right? This is, you got to know your authority. And it says here, because of this mastery, nothing shall by any means hurt you. So is there a place in God where nothing can hurt you? Well, if there's not, then God's a liar. And not only will he not lie, he can't lie. So this is a picture of your life, but literally, Jesus said this to 70 guys that weren't even born again. It's kind of amazing. So let's look at this. I just want to take some time in understanding the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you got to understand, the Lord's been talking to me all week about authority. You have to understand your authority. So we've talked about power. Power will come upon you. After that, the Holy Ghost, right? You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Right? Miraculous power that is released. You shall receive it. Now remember, the word receive means to seize hold of. Why will you seize hold of the power? Because you'll see it. The Holy Ghost, when he comes upon you, it reveals. You start to see who you are, you see who he is, all of these things. We'll talk more about that. But jump over to Genesis chapter 1. Let's go right back to the beginning. And let's, I, want, I want to once again really kind of lay some things out as to why. Because everything is legal. Everything God has set this whole deal up. I am sure he is so disgusted in some of the teaching on sovereignty. Because Satan has twisted it. you got to be so careful. To walk in your authority, you've got you to know the word. You have, to, you have to get the word in you, realizing I don't learn the Bible. I discern the Bible. And I can't discern it, that means to see and know it, until someone opens it up to me, and the one who opens it up to me is on the inside of me. And that one that opens it up to me will bring it to my remembrance. When I need it. And then he will lead me on what to say and what to do so that I could walk in Zoe life. We are talking about you changing the course of your whole life, including your children, including your grandchildren. For some of you, even including your great-grandchildren. Man, those of you who are older on the earth and have walked with God, man, if you ever want to know about stewardship, go talk to George for a little bit. He's been walking with the Lord. He understands stewardship. He says the word stewardship to me, and I could feel the impartation. 
You know, older believers that have walked with the Lord. Notice I didn't say old, older. None of us are old. Older, right? Think of your birthday cake when you're a million years old. Wow. So let's jump into Genesis real quick. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image. That means in our resemblance. After our likeness, this word likeness means after our conduct and after our function. This means, this literally means how you behave. God says, let us make man that looks like us and behaves like us. That's why in the New Testament it says, be imitators of God, little children. That's why Jesus said, the works that I do, greater works are you going to do because I'm going to the Father. Boy, that'll tilt, that, that'll blow out some religious cobwebs that you're a lowly worm, right? Because you're not a lowly worm. You were, or if you want to, you know, Amazing Grace, I love that song, but I'm no longer a wretch. I was one, but I'm not one now, right? But this is the way God made man. And let them have dominion. The first thing God, when he makes man, he's like, okay, let's make them to look like us and let's make them to behave like us. Number one, let them have dominion. It's the Hebrew word. It literally means the right and, to, and the power to govern and rule. The right and the power to govern and rule and control. It literally means sovereign authority. What? I thought God. Yeah, God said, as I have sovereign authority in heaven, Adam and Eve, you are to have sovereign authority on the earth. See, here's rule number one about authority on the earth, or sovereignty on the earth. Your will will trump God's will. God wants you having him first in every situation. But do you notice God doesn't show up when, you're not, when he's not first and start slapping you around and going, you better get it right. You know, if you, if you get too busy and don't read the word, you jump out of bed, you grab something in your hand, chew it while you're going, drinking your coffee on the way to work, you don't see a flaming angel with a flaming sword going, time out, you spent no time with me, and I told you that you were to seek me first. That doesn't happen. Why? Because your will will trump God's will, right? It says, and let them have dominion. Now look at God gives us the authority. I don't have dominion over certain things, right? In other words, I don't have dominion for Pastor Edwin. I don't, I don't tell him what to do, right? I, 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 my, I have dominion. You learn the boundaries of your dominion. Now I do, have, I do have a measure of authority because God saw fit to plant him and I'm his pastor. So I have a measure of authority in his life. Does that make sense? I don't have some, I don't have authority over some guy who wants to come and kill me. I don't, I don't have authority in his life. I can't command him to get saved. But now if he's coming to kill me in my life, I have authority. You're not going to take my life. Pull the trigger and the bullets are not going to come out. Whatever, right? I have authority there because I have salvation. I have protection. I'm righteous. No weapon that's formed against me will prosper. But now, could a Christian be killed? Yeah, if you don't know your authority, right? Study, be, study martyrs. Martyrs laid their life down. Even in Hebrews, it says some laid their life down, not accepting deliverance, right? So let's look at this. Keep going. We have dominion over the fish of the sea. I love that when I get in the ocean, right? Nothing's biting me. No jellyfish is stinging me, right? We have a little mini pincher, and I still can't figure out why Jeanette did this, but there was a massive hawk in our neighborhood. 
And she told, the hawk would fly over our backyard all the time, right? And she said, no, you will not fly over our yard anymore. Never flies over our yard. I'm over there going, darn it. You know, no, I love Zoe. I love Zoe. I love Zoe. Yeah, my spirit loves Zoe. You have dominion over cattle. It says, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. You know, Satan creeps upon the earth. In other words, God gave man authority over everything on the earth. Wow. And over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And then he said this, and subdue it. Wait, time out. Subdue what? That means to conquer. Satan's on the earth. We find that he goes out of bounds and comes in the Garden of Eden. See, what, what was Eve to do? When Satan started talking to her, she should have looked at him and said, hold on a second, shut up, and get out. That's what she should have done. But what did she She didn't do that. And she ended up getting deceived. In the same way, Christians literally... Use your authority, right? I wonder, like, you have a rebellious youth, a rebellious child, and what do parents do? <sighs> they talk about it. What are we going to do? This person's just doing this. She's doing this. He's doing that. Shut up. Use your authority. Start calling those things which be not as though they were. Father, I thank you that my son, my daughter, my grandkids will walk with you and serve you. They will not make mistakes that I made. Everything that they put their hand to is blessed. They will learn your ways. I'm, I'm, I'm using, I'm taking dominion, authority, and I'm conquering. Right? It says, and have, and, it, and again, he says, and have dominion. I wonder if he wants you to have dominion. Again, over the fish of the sea. In case you don't understand, God says it twice. And, over, and look at this, and it says, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. You were, you were created, or man was created to have dominion. And listen, God never changes. You are to have dominion. Look at the world your children are being born into. Isn't it going to be amazing as they learn their authority and they're safe and they're blessed and they're increasing and they can't be stopped because they're your kids, right? This is, parents, don't fear the society that they're growing, critical race theory, all this stuff, all, these, all this stuff, identity stuff and all, forget, you teach them the word of God and God will protect them, Amen? And be led. God also, look at this with authority. He gave parameters of his authority. Chapter 2, verse 16. Let's look at this. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. In the Hebrew language it would read like this. In the day that you eat of it, in dying, you shall die. We know when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, they didn't die physically that day. It took the curse over 900 years to kill Adam. But he died that moment that he ate the fruit. Eve died that moment that she ate the fruit. They died spiritually. Right? And now, chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent, the serpent, this, this Hebrew word is the word for snake. This word serpent also means tempter. And it means, this word serpent means one who deals with or puts thoughts in the mind. Well, of course it would, because Satan 
That's how he operates, right? He was more subtle, more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said. He asks a question. He's the great, great questioner. So, why has your physical body not gotten any better? So why, this stuff, you go to church. Man, you go there every time the doors are open. So why is this not working for you? Hmm, I wonder why this happened in your life. I wonder why. He asks questions. He never has changed, right? And, and so he asks a question. He says, and so hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Did he really say that? And the woman said unto the serpent, shut up and get out. Boy, I'll tell you, we'd be in a lot better state, right? <laughs> she said, but we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And now think about that. Has, has she ever seen anybody die? Yeah. No, right? And the serpent said to the woman, See, this is what Satan does. If you give him and you interact with him, he will start pushing and leading you and it will eventually be, listen, God's a liar. And, and Right? Look at all this around you. Believe this, don't believe him. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not, you shall not surely die in other words, Satan always comes against the word. For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now think about that. He says you'll be like a god, knowing good and evil. Was that, was that true? Well, partially. This is the way he always operates. They would know good and evil. Right? Did Adam and Eve really know good after they fell? No, not really. Why do you think this world is... Isaiah said, woe to the person who calls good evil and evil good. We're talking about you will know God never designed man to have revelation knowledge of evil. Right? We're to have revelation knowledge of good only. And oh, by the way, that word gods, notice how it's in small g. Um, they didn't have to know good and evil to become a god because they were already the god of this world. Small g. In other words, Satan will always try to get you to try to get what you've literally already got. Hmm, interesting. Satan is always a big option giver. Look at verse 6. When the woman saw, now after this interaction, because she did not, she didn't take this, she didn't use her authority, and she didn't get Satan out of here, all of a sudden now, she's starting to see things. When she saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one, to make one wise, the pride of life, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband. What? So Adam was there the whole time and he never, you know, you've heard the joke, gosh, where would we be? If it wasn't for Eve, well, we'd be in the garden. Well, time out. No, no, no. That joke's no good anymore. Because Adam was standing right there, and God was the one who told him directly not to eat of this tree. Interesting. Why did he eat of the tree? Because when she ate, and that light went out, and she died spiritually right before him, she was different. And now Adam had a choice. Am I going to stick with God 
but I really want to be with her. I, I'm going to choose her over God. And that's been going on ever since. We choose things in the world. We choose things over God. I, you guys know how much I love my wife. But, but she's not number one. Right? You know if you were to talk to her, I'm not her number one. Right? God is number one. Which is what that means is we have a wonderful relationship because we're, we have priorities right. This is interesting. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. So the light went out. The glory of God that clothed them went out. And they sewed fig leaves together. This is probably why Jesus cursed the fig tree. Because he cursed the fig tree in the place of the Adams in rabbinical teaching. He probably cursed the fig tree right about where Adam and Eve, knowing God, probably right in the same area where they were covering. See, the first thing that happens is they knew they were naked. All of a sudden, insecurity. And they're trying to cover insecurity. Think about this. You could see spiritual death. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, like every day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. So do you see spiritual death here? All of a sudden, they didn't know their authority. They didn't know who they were. And they think they could hide themselves from God. And they want to. Oh my gosh. So their perception of God changed. Instead of they hear the footsteps of God and they run to him and go, oh, let me spend time with you. No, now because they're spiritually dead, they, re- they go away from God. Do you know how many people are doing that today? Christians are even withdrawing because they don't believe or they, they think God's going to get them or mad at them or something instead of believing the word of God. And the Lord called to Adam and he said unto him, where are you? In the Hebrew language, it would read literally like this, Adam, why are you where you are? God, he's all-knowing. He knew where Adam was. You would not want to play hide-and-seek with God, (laughs) right? We laugh. You know how many people come to church and play hide-and-seek with God? Right? Do you know as you're sitting here today, God sees everything. Every motive of your heart, every thought, Every, I mean, while you're sitting here going, how long is this guy going to preach? I mean, he sees that, right? Right? He sees everything. And he's not mad at you. He's love. He just wants to help you. When you mess up and you rebel and you do your own thing, guess what? He's just like, it's okay. Forget that. Come back with me. Let's go. Why? Well, my son already paid for all that. When something devastating in your life happens, what does God do? He comes in and he doesn't come in and go, oh man, your life is never going to be the same. No, 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 no. He'll, he'll come in, like he says, over and over and over in the word. Listen, behold, I make all things new. It's going to be okay. Just trust me. I'll restore everything. That's who God is. The whole Bible is a story about God pursuing man. The whole thing. So in verse 10 of chapter 3, and he said, I heard heard your voice, this is Adam talking to God, in the garden, and I was afraid. This is the first time, see what happened. Sin came into the world when Adam and Eve sinned. Death came in. Now the spirit of fear is here. I heard your voice, and I was afraid. Interesting. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you that you should not eat? You see how God was trying to get them to go, yeah, man, I really messed up, God. But you know what? I I repent of this. But look at what spiritual death does. The man said, The woman, right? It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. The woman that you gave me. He's blaming God now. 
you gave me this woman, and she, it's her fault. Right? She gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman, the, the serpent, right? The serpent beguiled me. That means this word beguiled, this is how he works. The serpent deceived me, seduced me, and led me astray. That's what Satan is going to try to do to you today. He's going to try to deceive you, seduce you, and lead you away from God. That's what he tries to do all the time. So now we fast forward. Now Jesus shows up. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened, and everyone saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Does it say that? No. No, it says here, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. He saw this. Nobody else saw it. But don't worry, they will see it. Because why? The baptism in the Holy Spirit is an inward empowerment that will bring about an outward display of power. They're going to see it, right? I love that. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. In the literal Greek it would read, even with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is a, where Jesus is in a synagogue. And th this is what Jesus would always proclaim. He's proclaiming Isaiah 61.1. Jesus said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Literally in the Greek, it would, Jesus would have said, the spirit of the Lord has been poured upon me because he has anointed me. Jesus is saying, I am anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This, this means to heal those that have a breach in their spirit. This, this phrase in the Greek means also healing of the soul, of the torment or emotional upheaval that's caused when a person is spiritually dead and there's a breach in their spirit. Do you know you have, as a child of God, there is no breach in your spirit. So that's why you should have no oppression in your life. You have the ability to stand up and go, listen, I am the righteous, I'm immovable in that, and I'm far from oppression. Why do people have oppression? Because they don't resist it, and Satan puts it on them illegally, but it has no legal right. There's nothing to back it up. If you'll stand in your authority and say, in the name of Jesus, oppression, you gotta go. Right now, I don't have a spirit of fear. I'm not, I, I, I reject this depression. I reject anxiety in the name of Jesus. You have no place. My spirit is full of love, the love of God, the power of God, and it creates soundness of mind in me. It says to preach deliverance to the captives. That, that word captives means prisoners. To prisoners Guys, we've been delivered. We were under the delegated influence of darkness in the kingdom of darkness. What a horrible prison that is. But we have been freed from that prison. And now we're in the kingdom of God. That's where you are today. I love this. And recovering of sight to the blind. Show me in the Bible where one blind person was ever healed before Jesus. There's not one. He came now the blind can see. And then here's the other one, to set at liberty or to set free them that are bruised. He finishes up with this, them that are bruised means them that are oppressed. Wow. So now here's Jesus. 
And now in John 14, 10, look at what he says. Believe you not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. So when Jesus was on the earth, he was doing the works. The Father was doing them. How? By his Spirit. By the mighty Holy Spirit. And the Father had done no mighty works until the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. I wonder if we, don't, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 12, two verses later. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works shall he do. Why? Because I go unto my Father. Wow. I love this. Guys, there's so much more I want to say about this. But I want you to just think about these things. The mighty Holy Spirit is not only to be within you in salvation, He is to be upon you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit where you are endued with miraculous power and now you are ready to go out. For those of you who've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is not a one-time deal. This is, a, this is something, as we said last week, that grows in you. It's progressive. So that's why you be being filled with the Spirit constantly. And we're going to talk about all of that. Why are we preaching about this? Because I want you to know that the gates of hell will never prevail against you. Amen. That what might be in your life right now, if it doesn't look like the word, it has no legal right, and you're going to know the Holy Spirit will walk you right out of it. I'm telling you, there's, there's success and prosperity that God has for you. Something God has for you to do in this earth that maybe right now you can't see it. But he can't even reveal it to you because he's got to get you ready to walk it out. Right? There's some things, for some of you, your income has been limited. Your health has been limited because of the renewing of your mind. So I want to encourage you today. All of heaven is behind you learning who God is and knowing him intimately, knowing Jesus intimately, knowing how to walk and be led by the Spirit of God. He'll walk you into all of it. I could say this, you go to a great church. Why? Because we allow him to just teach us. There's no better teacher than him. Every time I sit and listen to any minister, really, I'm listening to him. That's why, you know, it's great. I mean, I have so much respect for these men and women who have done great things, and, and they, just, they just have such great gifts, you know. I mean, I have such great respect for Pastor and Mrs. Hagan. You know, I know ministers, they're just amazing. Rick Renner. Guy's just amazing. But the only reason why he's amazing is because of the Holy Spirit. And when I listen to these guys, when I listen to Brother Hagen, man, I draw from the Holy Spirit because he's the teacher. He will teach you how to profit in your life. He will literally set you on fire so people around you will see you burn and they will be drawn to that light. So don't minimize yourself anymore. No more guilt, no more shame, no more believe in the enemy's lies. All things new.